0: ice cream? Do you ever look at ice cream flavors and wonder, how the hell did someone come up with this? How does it taste so damn good? How do they do it? Welcome to Let's Spoon Podcast, where we chat with ice cream makers and get the scoop on the stories behind the ice cream. Come cuddle up and spoon with your hosts, Stephanie Della Cruz from Della Cramarie, and myself, Brooke Shapiro, aka Sunday's Mom, and let's dig in and chat all things ice cream. This week, we're spooning with Mona from Miss Mona Makes Ice Cream in Brooklyn, New York. We're gonna be chatting about The Pure Joy of Ice Cream, a subscription-based community-first ice cream business. Also, she leads Ice Cream for Change, which is happening July 18th, 2021. So come dig in and learn about the ice cream queen herself, Miss Mona.
1: So I started making ice cream mostly from a love of ice cream, like most of us probably listening, um, I, you know, it's very nostalgic. You can remember moments as a kid, having your favorite flavors, having sleepover parties, and eating right from the pint, and and you know, the, the different experiences you had growing up. And I, um, I never really quite stopped having those ice cream experiences as I got older. And I always like to say that my favorite thing about being a grown up was that you could have ice cream at any time of the day. <laughs> uh, there was no one to tell you not to. And what actually really changed um, my palate a bit, I guess, very fancy, is the first time I ever had Ample Hills when it was still, they didn't have a store yet. They were just selling out of like a local little tiny, you know, fine foods place. And they had a push cart. I saw this ice cream. It looked phenomenal. It was flavors I had never seen before. I walk out of the store, I take a bite, and I immediately call my partner, Dave, and say, this is the best ice cream I've ever had. That just changed the game. And shortly, I guess it was quite a while later, I got an ice cream maker for the holidays. And I guess like most, most people probably get excited. They make ice cream once and then the maker goes in some cabinet or closet never to be seen again. And instead it just stayed out. Like it never went back. There was ice cream constantly churning late at night after work. I found it to be very therapeutic as a way to just shut down from the computer, not look at a screen at the end of the day. And then giving it to friends and family when they came over was, you know, it just brought so much joy to, to, you know, to me, to the people I was sharing it with. And I'm definitely like a happiness spreader. Like I'm, I'm glass half full kind of person. And that ice cream is just a way to help bring a little joy and a smile to people. So that's how I, I got started. And then, then it sort of took on a life of its own during COVID. <laughs> So, I guess it was that, that first weekend that New York went into lockdown around March 15th. And I figured, okay, well, we're gonna have this extra time, might as well make some ice cream. But my freezer was completely full. And there were no opportunities to really share that ice cream like I normally would have with people coming over, or I would often even bring it to work with me, um, you know, schlep it on the subway so i decided that first weekend we were in lockdown to very carefully drive around and drop off these pints in front of the homes of friends and family with no interaction right i was going to text them when i was outside leave it on the stoop or leave it in the lobby um and then walk away and let them know come and get it so no you know totally socially physically distant and um i snapped a picture and posted it on instagram and pretty quickly i was um Just random strangers were reaching out asking, well, how can they get ice cream dropped off in front of their door? I thought, that's crazy. But okay, so I set up a Google form. And next thing I know, there's just complete random strangers that are signing up for me to drop off ice cream. Uh, And every weekend, pretty much through June, July, because there was zero traffic in New York, it was pretty phenomenal. I was just driving around and leaving ice cream for complete strangers, some friends and family. I reconnected with a ton of old friends that I hadn't seen, some since nursery school, elementary school that were signing up. And in the process, I was also finding and meeting other sort of makers like myself that were using this, you know, finding this silver lining of COVID to either explore passions or to pivot or to just find ways to pass the time. And so, I was dropping ice cream off for a random stranger in Park Slope. And she said, you know, the woman across the street is giving away pizza. What's that? Oh, pizza and ice cream, like that's a no brainer. I have to go swap with her. And that then sort that started this, these elaborately orchestrated swaps. So before, when it was just me giving away ice cream, it then became, you know, what can we swap? Um, And other people even just started giving me things. Like I would show up and they would just be handing me either things they had made or purchased, uh, flowers, cocktails, baked goods, plants, spices. I would like come home with these hauls of stuff, plus these orchestrated swaps with other makers and bakers. And so, yeah, that really got me through the dark days of 2020. And I met, I think I met more people in lockdown than under normal circumstances, when you're free to go outside and socialize. So that that's a bit of my ice cream story <laughs> and how, how my ice cream has gotten out into the tri-state area
2: all by accident. Wow, that is, I mean, honestly, at like some points I had chills just hearing you talk about that. Cause that is like, who would have thought in these darkest times, especially in New York, I mean, where else would this have happened really? But just hearing that is so incredible. And it's almost like, I think what a lot of people have done throughout this time, but because of your location, it makes it like so special. And the ability to do that is amazing. So I'm so happy that you got to experience that as truly incredible.
1: Thanks. I mean, listen, it was a really terrible, terrible, dark time. People lost loved ones and it was horrendous, but I think there was something also really unique and special to that year and the relationships that we built with strangers, the um, the support that we gave each other. And I got to say, I really miss the no traffic <laughs> driving around New York City. It's worse than ever. I think everyone bought cars during that time and it's, it's just horrendous right now. So as terrible and as dark and as awful as it was, um, I, I do miss some components of 2020 and what it brought to me that I don't think I would have ever had, you know, if that didn't happen.
0: Can you talk about the community supported treats is what you call, you know, your ice cream on your site. You don't necessarily call it ice cream, you call it like community and treats. And
1: my background is in uh, the nonprofit space. I've worked for a variety of nonprofits, I've started nonprofits. And I knew that if I was going to dive into some kind of ice cream business, that there need to be a social impact component to it. And as I shared before, these these naturally occurring collaborations started to happen where I was meeting other makers and bakers. And so as we're swapping, it started again, totally by accident to make sense of, oh, you're giving me macarons. Well, what would it be like, if I put your macarons in my ice cream, or you're giving me Rice Krispie treats, why don't I put those Rice Krispie treats in my ice cream? I realized like, oh, there might be something to this. I knew that if I was going to do um, an ice cream business, I always wanted it to be a membership and a subscription base. And I love the, the CSA model, right? Like buying fruits and vegetables from local farms, local um, orchards, local businesses. And I thought, well, that's kind of it, right? Like it's It's these local opportunities to highlight businesses, highlight startups through ice cream. And so that's kind of how the idea came to be. So the concept is essentially if you sign up for a month of ice cream, you get three pints. And the pints, you don't know what you're going to get. They're a total surprise. But all the inclusions and the mix-ins and the variegates and the swirls are inspired and made by local businesses. So for example, I did a chai ice cream and the chai was sourced from a local business called Bahati Chai where he, has, and his name is Bahati, um, he's from Africa and he sources phenomenal chai from his hometown region. And he's here hoping to bring a bit of you know African spices and chai to the New York and you know region and beyond. So that was a great partnership. Um, I also partnered with a local bakery Um, Little Red Kitchen Bake Shop, and she had pounds and pounds of like brownie discards that were odds and ends that she couldn't sell, and they had been frozen. Perfect for ice cream. So um, I was able to take her brownie parts that she couldn't sell and use those in ice cream. Um, Same thing, there's a cookie maker who makes stuffed cookies uh, baked, B-A-K-D, and she unfortunately had a batch that didn't rise properly, and she was going to have to throw out a huge amount of product and instead we were able to incorporate those cookies into a banana flavor with these caramel dulce de leche um, cookies that just never arose so it's a combination of like finding an alternative use for some of these you know discards but also highlighting small businesses and so each of these ice creams are inspired by these small businesses i also encourage the small businesses to offer our members a discount code to help incentivize more purchases of their products so they can try more and then hopefully become ongoing partners. And then there's a little video that um, members also receive that talks just more about the story of these small businesses, how they might've gotten started, why they do what they do. And so, you know, the ice cream is almost like a byproduct, or it's a vehicle, right? To talk about these incredible startups, small businesses, and community members that just might be around the corner that you may not have heard of so or maybe they're a little bigger than me and they can help spread the word about this ice cream cst and we can get um, more makers and more community members involved
0: you remind me of um burning man like where people like trade things and they're giving (laughs) stuff away like you're like the ice cream burning man it's incredible (laughs) lots of bartering yes it's it's amazing you're so great at building a
2: community so when you get these people to partner with you, are you finding them or are they finding you?
1: It's a little bit of both. I've definitely started with community members that I met over the last year. Um, and so they're, they're not necessarily new relationships, but they're ways that we, can, that we can work more closely together. I work in a shared commercial kitchen. So there's so many other small businesses in that kitchen that are looking for more opportunities to grow. So I'm going to them through this shared kitchen. You know, hopefully this is only month three that I'm officially selling. So I would love for more uh, makers to come to me. I've, I've also shared it on a couple of hospitality groups and people have come to me saying, this sounds great. I want to, I want to get involved. This coming month, we have a, a company here in New York City called Ronnie's Chocolates. And she's somebody who I had posted on a Facebook group. And she responded saying, I have the perfect candies to incorporate into your ice cream. So hopefully more, more step up and want to be involved
0: in this. Besides being a community person, like you're such a connector. Mona, like you do everything. You're blowing my mind. I can't even, I like got up off the couch today and you've (laughs) done like... 80 different things. (laughs) Can you talk about like the connector group you have on Slack and like creating this ice cream community?
1: Sure. I think it just, it's my fundraising background, right? Like in order to be a successful fundraiser, it's about building relationships and building that community. And so I think after working in that space for, I think it's 17 years, it just feels like, it just feels natural. I don't even realize I'm doing it when I am doing it. Um, I do think of myself a bit as a serial connector. I love, like, going to conferences and meeting people. I love sharers that just want to, like, tell me their whole life story. I'm like, bring it on. I want to know everything. Again, during COVID, I found myself on Instagram specifically, either asking a lot of questions of other ice cream makers that I was following or receiving questions from other ice cream makers that were mostly at home, trying to figure it out. Some that were thinking of, you know, could I start a business? And I was like, there has to be a better and easier way for us to communicate because we're all just sending DMs back and forth. And one person is asking me the same question that I'm asking um, and I've used Slack before. Um, for, you know, various jobs and, and networking groups and thought, well, why don't we just have an ice cream Slack page where we can have different channels where one can be recipes, one can be equipment, one can be marketing. And I sent that idea out to about 13 or 14 other ice cream makers on Instagram. And they were like, sure. So just slowly, but surely started reaching out to other ice cream makers that I found asking if they wanted to be a part of this you know, ice cream support group. And then others in the group have now begun to find people and recommend other ice cream makers for the group. I think we're around 80 people. You know, some people are more voyeurs. They they sort of read and they'll check, but they're not actively posting. Other people are really active. Some people kind of forget it's there for a few months and then jump back on, but it's a great resource and tool. So however it needs to be used, it can be used. And everyone's been incredibly respectful of each other. I think one person signed up and asked like what the rules were. And I was like, rules? (laughs) Everyone's very nice. It's ice cream. I was so excited that we could create a community space for ice cream makers where people felt welcome um, and didn't feel like they were being talked down to and just a space to be able to share and feel accepted. You're like the queen of ice cream right now. I feel
0: like (laughs) Like everyone knows you. I don't know if I'm worthy of that, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) To your point, like there is the... I think, you know, original owning a scoop shop, you know, might've gotten it from your parents, or I think also in business of protecting your secret sauce, your secret recipe, your secret way of cooking or doing things. And I think our generation were more like, let's share it. Let's tell people let's, there's no secrets really, you know, we're, even if I told you exactly step-by-step what I did, you're going to do it completely different. And that's why like, you know, we can all have abundance and it's all, it's all great. So
1: there are so many coffee shops and bakeries. The amount of ice cream places compared to bakeries and coffee shops, I mean, it's, it's not even comparable. There's so few. So I don't see why we can't have a different ice cream shop every, you know, every few miles or blocks or neighborhoods or even on the same street. I mean, how many places in New York are there like three coffee shops on the same street? <laughs>
2: That's something that's really awesome. I mean, I got invited to your Slack group and I had no idea that it was a thing before. And after I had joined, it was like a whole portal of ice cream makers throughout the nation, like sharing these, yeah, like we're saying secrets. And that's what I think is really special. And I'm so glad that you have put this together. Exactly to your point, I've really thought about making ice cream in the ice cream making community not as a competitor and also I often relate it to like the craft beer that's a great yes yeah I think like if they hadn't all made beer and partnered with each other to stand against the big corporates if they would have all seen each other as competitors the craft beer wouldn't be a thing and when I think of it like that I think like as ice cream makers if we're able to promote each other and make each other better. And in these Slack chats, I mean, when I read through them and they're giving away their trial and error. So I don't have to do that. It is really special and really welcoming. And I think that I speak for many of us when I thank you for doing this and bringing us together because it's, it's so helpful. And it's honestly, it's incredible that you did that.
1: I mean, it really started selfishly because I wanted all this information and And it was just not organized in a a cohesive way. And then I don't, you know, for whoever's listening, if they're not familiar with Slack or if they are, the best thing about it is it keeps a history. So even if you missed earlier conversations, like you said, there is, there are conversations after conversations on there that you can reference and go back to maybe often too much where I'm like, where was that? I know there's a search bar, but now I can't find what I'm looking for. So, you know, hopefully we'll continue to add to it and, um bring in different experiences you know right now we have a few international members but i'd love to have more i think i think just learning about the flavors and the local you know foods one of the things that i love about ice cream is how unique it is to cultures it's not the only food that's like that you know bread often depending on where you go in the world they have like their kind of bread you know, meats here and there, but there's something about ice cream, right? Like you go to Latin America and there's flavors that you've never seen before, really exotic fruits, amazing fruits. You might go to the Middle East and have ice cream with different spices or different types of dairy. You go to Europe or parts of other parts of the world where they incorporate their local candy. I mean, I was in Iceland a couple of years ago and I just couldn't get enough of trying like all the ice cream made out of ski and licorice and just all their local flavors and so I just wanted to share that I love the the part of ice cream that you can share either a part of you a part of where you're from and introduce people to things they might not have known or tried before.
0: Stephanie and I have talked about it. it's so local too like I grew up in Bridgeport Connecticut and like you know I walked a mile to my local shop and so many people might have biked to their ice cream sh- local ice cream shop or like I'm from Black Rock maybe this is a part of Bridgeport. And so we have like the Black Rock ice cream, but some people have like, you know, the, their town's ice cream or, and so it's just so, you know, universal and local and your yeah. community and it brings us all together. And I think that like value of community, you know, is now coming through an ice cream.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. It is local, but it is universal. I, I mean, it sounds so crazy to talk so theoretical and like philosophical about ice cream, but- I don't know. I I think it does that. I think it does can unite people and it can teach people and it can create community.
2: And it has. And that's the crazy part is it's only going to get more in depth and more members. I really hope that people listening know that they can be part of this community, no matter what scale they're at, um, what stage they're at of making ice cream or thinking of making ice cream.
1: So I guess we should say, um, if there's anyone listening that is an ice cream maker, whether they're a beginner, intermediate, whether they're looking to start a business, if you wanna join this ice cream support group, that's a Slack channel. Um, I guess they can DM you guys, they can reach out to me, um, but really it's it's open uh, to, to whomever wants to be respectful and just talk about ice cream and share their love of ice cream.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why we started this podcast too. So I make ice cream. And I enjoy it. But I wouldn't say I love the tinkering process. I'm not patient enough. How can people share their love of ice cream with the world, you know, and so we talked about like, what's the best format. And that's why we wanted to interview different ice cream makers is to hear their stories, why they started making ice cream, how they started, so that it could, you know, inspire others and behind every story kind of, or every flavor like we've been talking about, there's a story, right? Like you swapped with this person or you met that person and you just, you know, you just order an ice cream usually at a shop, but there's so much more behind the flavor and the effort and the tinkering that goes into ice cream, which is what really makes it unique.
1: I mean, I am on your, I'm in your camp when it comes to the tinkering. I love coming up with flavors, but I do really want to get it right, right away mostly because it kills me to throw ice cream out. Like it really just pains me, but I also hate giving somebody ice cream that I just don't think is up to par. So I've had, I think I've had two or three flavors in the last three to four years that I really had to throw out that were pretty terrible. Um, Consistency, mostly it's the consistency. When I try to add something that just doesn't either freeze well I tried a black sesame once and I got really carried away with the black sesame paste because the color was so beautiful and I put way too much and it was basically like just eating frozen peanut butter almost. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried making um, an horchata once that I just left in way too much of the rice and the consistency was terrible. Starting this membership where I give people three surprise flavors a month, people's flavor profiles like differ vastly. This past month, um, members got a basil with pistachio brittle. They got a vanilla lemon with blueberry bourbon and golden Oreo, and they got a banana with these caramel cookies. The variety of feedback that I've gotten, I just like, some people are like over the moon about the basil, which happens to be my personal favorite. And then others are like, you know, it wasn't really for me. I don't love the banana. Like the banana ice cream was fine. It's not my fave. And then that same person who didn't like the basil, over the moon about the banana. So, you know, that's what's also so great about ice cream. Like the amount of flavors and types and textures that you can make, you'll find an audience for almost anything.
2: I just have a few quick questions about your making process. If you want to talk about ingredients, maybe machinery that you use, any of the more technical stuff that would be helpful for the people to know.
1: Sure. So right now I make my own base, although I've been contemplating not making it. It's very time consuming and very expensive. And I am, I'm starting to understand why a lot of shops don't make their own base. So obviously the ice cream makers out there know what that means. If you're just an ice cream eater, that means that I'm making my base with milk and cream and sugar and milk powder. I do use eggs. I do a custard base. So I'm I'm making all of that. And then I, you have to pasteurize it, right? You have to get it up to a certain temperature to kill off any pathogens. I don't have a fancy pasteurizer machine. So it's, you know, over the stovetop with a thermometer. Uh, it's time consuming. I started obviously at home, but right now I am renting space in a commercial kitchen and I'm legal and certified to cook there. And they have a fairly small size commercial ice cream maker that I'm then using to churn the ice cream and I pint there. Um, I'm hoping they upgrade soon to something a little bit bigger. So that's that's sort of the technical component. You know, you make the base. Um, Good ice cream usually needs to age. You want to get it cool. So after you heat it up to that temperature to make sure there's nothing in there that can hurt you. You do wanna make sure it cools down. So I'll make all the bases on one day and then I'll come back the next day or two and churn them and pint them. And they're all, everything's hand-pinted, takes a while. (laughs) Last month in three days, I made the base, churned and pinted 208 pints of ice cream. I did have some help. I had a person helping me on day two and three. Would have also gone much faster if the ice cream machine were slightly bigger. Uh, There's only three quarts at a time, which is pretty tedious. So I know I can I can do 210 in about three days. I don't know if that's good. I don't know what other people do. You should ask everyone else that does this podcast so we can find out who's the fastest.
2: This is just like the questions we have to ask each other. So I think that stuff like that is really awesome to be able to ask you and you just be like, well, this is how it works for me. And there's no other way to really get that information other than doing it yourself or asking someone else. (laughs) What's the machine that you're using now? It's a
1: tailor. It's an old tailor, but it's a workhorse. Like it's great. It's just really small. Um, Mm -hmm. Appears to be the only commercial kitchen that you can rent by the hour or by the day with an ice cream machine. So like I don't even have really another option unless I want to buy one and then find a place to install it somewhere. So it's sort of like this or nothing right now.
2: A weight just got lifted off my shoulder cuz I'm currently looking right now and I've emailed like tons of people and they're all like, "Nope, sorry, we don't have that." And it's just like so the options are what? It's insane and I like to think like we're in a big city and then you're in a huge city, you know, the biggest city in the country and you are limited too. It's it's insane. It's,
1: it's a problem, like why we don't have more access to equipment. I've thought well, about that too. I'm like, could I start like an ice cream co-op? Yes, that's what I was about million to million say, Mona,
0: We should start something in all of our cities or maybe a listener to this podcast could, you know, who has a kitchen background could start just like making commercial kitchens with ice cream makers. Like yeah, there's such it, a business opportunity here.
1: That's what I've been thinking. Like not not a shared kitchen, but a cooperative where- Maybe there's six people, seven people, and you own a share of your kitchen. And if you end up growing out of it or not wanting it, you can sell your shares to somebody else so that you don't necessarily feel the burden of like, I'm investing in this kitchen, I'm buying shares. And if you want out, sell your shares. Yeah. So that's kind of like in the back of my mind, I keep thinking about that. I mean, that's the thing, like, I don't think we're reinventing the wheel. Like these things exist, just just not maybe ones that we have access to or no, I don't know. It doesn't feel that hard. Like, I feel like I should be able to find six people who want to do this with me.
2: <laughs> totally. I think you can. And this, I mean, truthfully, that is a business opportunity and this is only growing and it's only going to grow. I mean, and that's why I, I always go back to this craft beer thing. Cause it's like, when you taste how good this stuff is, you're not going back. And more people are going to want to be part of that because we just can't let it die, right? We are really curious.
0: Can you talk about Ice Cream for Change, how it works, how people can sign up? Is it only for ice cream
1: makers? Ice Cream for Change started last year at the height of all of the protests demanding racial justice. Um, It was inspired by the Bakers Against Racism movement that started. And um, Dr. Maya Warren and I were able to rally about 130 ice cream shops and makers last summer to all donate either a percentage of sales or some kind of donation on National Ice Cream Day to an organization of their choice fighting for racial justice. Um, And we raised about $70,000. It was phenomenal. It really brought a lot of us together. The Slack page, everybody was helping. To um, to get different ice cream shops and makers signed up, small at-home makers that were doing raffles or silent auctions, to shops that were doing slightly more organized cause marketing campaigns. Um, so we're doing it again this year. You know, unfortunately, and I'll be honest, um, the downside to life opening up is that everyone is busy. So it's been definitely harder to get um, shops to sign up we're just all so swamped. So right now we have about 65 shops and makers signed up. Obviously National Ice Cream Day is coming up. It's on July 18th. And so we're hoping again that that ice cream people will want to use National Ice Cream Day as a way to give back to their community and to stand up for just equality and and equity. If you go to icecreamforchange.org, there's a link there to sign up. Um, we have a toolkit with sample messaging and graphics. I'm actually going to be sending it out um, shortly to the 65 members that have already um, signed up. But uh, we, we try to help um, offer assistance and in, in just unified messaging. And then following National Ice Cream Day, we send out a survey where all the participants can let us know how much they raise, what organizations they're supporting. And we can, as a group, as a collective, as a movement, really say what we were able to, what kind of impact we were able to make. We also try to highlight um, the different ice cream shops and makers that are participating and just tell a little bit more about their story. So, you know, it was uh, really moving last year. You know, we're doing it in whatever capacity we can this year. I'm happy things are open. I'm happy people are busy, but it's definitely been much harder to um, to get people to sign up naturally.
0: Well, the most important question that we have
1: is, are you the big spoon or the little spoon? (laughs) I want to give like a definitive answer and say, I am this, but like, I think it just depends on the day. (laughs) (laughs) Or if it's with your animal, right? Like you took the words out of my mouth, right? Am I, you know, I'm oftentimes the big spoon with the dogs, but you sometimes just want to be the little spoon. And where can people find you, your handle? So I am Miss Mona Makes Ice Cream. That's across the board and that's Miss M-I-S-S. So Instagram, Facebook, websites. I am on TikTok. I haven't posted in a while. I did go viral. My very first post has over 2 million views. If You're in the New York City area. um, Membership, monthly memberships are available right now in Brooklyn and Manhattan. If you sign up on my website, basically you get access to the link to sign up. So make sure you sign up on the website.
0: Thanks for spooning with us today and digging into the stories behind the flavors. It's time to freeze, but for more ice cream content and knowledge, follow us on Instagram, let's spoon underscore podcast, only one S and follow your hosts, myself, Brooke Sundays.mom and Stephanie Della Cremery. We hope to have ice cream with you soon.